So apologies already for the awkwardness of me juggling notes and, and Bible and everything up here. But man, what a glorious day God has given us. What a glorious day. I, I am deeply, deeply grateful that God is giving us this chance to uh, just meet together like this. And when you look around, there's a lot of people who are hungry to worship and to hear from him. So I'm, I'm glad you're here. So that text, Isaiah chapter 6, um, has kind of found new legs in my life and in my soul this past week. It's a relatively familiar text from the Old Testament, but um, I have been reading it with some fresh eyes, and I think more so because of some important voices that have come into my ear this past week, and man, I, I'm glad. I'm glad that God has put some very cool people in my life and some voices. So um, my name's Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're newer, I'm really glad that you're here for this moment and this time. Um, God is teaching me some, I think, really important things. And, man, this morning, I, I'm not up here from some kind of ivory tower having realized something, known something, and now I'm just in a patronizing way going to talk down to you. I want to speak brother to brother and brother to sister about some things that I feel like are fresh and new. And, and uh, I feel like maybe God is just now opening my eyes to some things and I just want to invite you onto that journey with me. Um, as Mark said earlier, um, I just want to start by saying we, we kind of blew it last week with you guys. Um, we didn't address the brutal killing of George Floyd. And that it wasn't just that one event that came, you know, the Ahmad Arbery thing, the, the Breonna Taylor even, you guys, even Christian Cooper just out bird watching and having that awful scene in Central Park. What I'm saying is all those things compressed into a pretty short timeline, and the whole world was responding to what was going on. And I think that rightly you guys came saying, man, we need to hear from God, and we need to hear how do we think about this? How can we, how can we pray through this? How can we act responsibly? And uh, I, I just want to say, first off, the, the message from Matthew 6 was spot on. Lord, protect us from the evil one, right? We, we absolutely needed to hear what we heard last week. Man, I was all in and listening and drinking in the words of, of Jesus from that. But what we didn't do is, is speak directly to what's going on. And I, I want to just apologize, but say, man, thank you for being gracious and allowing us all corporately to master the restart and take another swing at this, right? Because... Um, Isaiah 6 now, this morning, I think is going to take on some new light in, in, in light of all that. Um, I had another series of voices that came out. By the way, let me just say, some of you responded to us and said, man, why would you not saw, say something to us about that? We heard your voices, and they were the right voices. Um, then this last week, some of you participated, a bunch of you guys actually participated in our citywide prayer vigil that we had last Wednesday night. And you guys, it was just incredible. I, I don't know what the experience was like for everybody that, that joined in, but I had the privilege of sharing the platform with uh, this dear saint, Pastor Sylvia Boyer, okay? She is the pastor of Gospel Explosion Ministries in, in Iowa City, and I'm telling you, she is a 71-year-old gospel explosion herself, and so I was, I was up there, and, and we both uh, had a few words to, to share, but then because of my proximity to her sitting right next to her, 
um, when it came time for prayer and all that, we, the two of us were, were paired up for prayer. And so we went from times of, of just praying and confessing and, and just really, you know, bearing our hearts before the Lord. And at those times, I'm crying, she's crying. I had thankfully prepared for the moment, so I had a big wad of Kleenex. And I'm like pulling my Kleenex and handing them to her, you know, and she's wiping her, her tears. I'm like, Pastor Boyer, I just want to hold your hand right now. I'm not going to because I know she had, this was the first time she'd come out from quarantine. This was her first event coming out, and I thought, I got to respect her, but I just want, you know, and then halfway through the prayer, I'm just reaching over and grabbing her hand and praying over, you know, and later I'm like, I'm sorry, I hope that wasn't disrespectful. No, Jesus got this. You know, so anyway, it was really cool, really fun, but, but here's what's awesome is we had these beautiful moments together, and it was, sorry, I'm getting, it was, um, unbelievably moving for me to share in that moment with her but the most moving thing was that afterward after the whole event pastor sylvia gets back up on the platform um to lead the entire group that was there in this old gospel song it's I just feel like something good is about to happen, right? Like, this was a very poor representation of what she did on that stage. But I am just saying, all of a sudden, I went from crying, just pouring out tears with her, to watching her sincerely reach down and pull joy and enthusiasm and just wanting, let's raise the roof. We're outside, and she's raising the roof, you know, and we're all singing this song together. It was, it was the most joy-filled, sincerely joy-filled way to end that time together. And, and you're saying, what on earth does that have to do with Isaiah 6? Um, a lot. So if, if you have your Bible and could turn to Isaiah 6, I'd love for you to do that as I wrestle these pages up here. But um, here's, here's the way Isaiah 6 comes to us. Um, the very first line is, in the year that King Uzziah died. The king that the year that King Uzziah did. Okay, the reference point to that historically is really important because the year that King Uzziah died, everything fell apart in the nation of Judah. Um, anarchy broke out. He had been a, a relatively good king, peace around the kingdom. And when he died, there was immediate anarchy. It felt like the seams were just ripping apart in that nation and the ground was kind of rumbling under people's feet politically, societally. It was a nation in turmoil. And so he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, in the moment when all this kind of breaking loose, I saw the Lord. And it's spectacular, right? There's these angels, these seraphim, there's these massive, glorious creatures, and they're covering their face, and they've got all these wings. And it's just, it's got to be just, you know, like sensory overload for Isaiah to see this incredible thing unfolding before his eyes. And they're crying out, holy, 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 right? And, and I love like in verse, in verse four where it says, the foundations of the doorway are, are just shaking at the sound of their voices and the temple was filled with smoke. So you've just got to imagine just, you know, he's literally getting rocked with their voices and visually, and the, you know, everything about that is just kind of glorious and majestic in his sight and and. What's Isaiah's response? Here's Isaiah's response. The, the world that he's living in, anarchy, injustice, national fear, everything falling apart, plus now vision of God. There's his context. He gets a vision of God. And what's his response? His response is this. Woe to me, 
I am ruined. Woe is me, I am ruined. That's his response. And then he tells why he's ruined. And it's really instructive for us, you guys, this morning. It's really instructive. Three reasons that he says, I am, am ruined. Here's what he says. I'm a man of unclean lips. The very first thing he says, in this moment, I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. Um, guys, when God's glory bursts onto the scene and we are standing in the glory and the light of God, it is incredibly revealing, okay? All of a sudden, we, it, there's no darkness left. We are standing before God and, and the glory is shining on us and we are exposed. We are completely exposed in that, morning, in that moment. John 3 tells us a little bit more about when the glory of Jesus Christ comes on the scene. And here's what Jesus says about what it means to stand in the presence of God and to be exposed. Here's what it says in John 3. This is judgment. Light has come into the world. Okay, the light, the glory has come into the world. But you know what? People love darkness rather than light <laughs> because their deeds are evil. I don't want the light coming on. I want to I do awful things in darkness. I want to stay hidden. The light comes on, and I love darkness rather than light. I, I run for cover, right? And Jesus says, everyone who does evil hates the light, avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone, this is really important, guys, anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. When the grace and truth, when the glory of God comes and starts shining on us, if we're people of truth, if we're Christ followers, we don't run at that point. We come running into the light because we want to be exposed. We understand the dangers of darkness. We understand what it means to hide and, and put all these things behind. No, no, no. We're coming. We're screaming ourselves into the light to be exposed. And I just want to say, guys, this, this last week, I feel like God has exposed some things in my heart and soul. And I, I want to invite you to ask yourself in this moment of God's glory, the word coming to us. We're worshiping. We're inviting Jesus into this presence. In this moment of basking in God's glory, have you taken time to let God's light expose you? Because in my soul, you know what I found? Judgmentalism, like, that comes from just pride. The fact that I can, like, sit on the seat of judgment toward others just drips of, of pride, and then it, it goes into that next form of pride, sectarianism, because I find other people that have my exact stand, standpoint, you know, and I, and I kind of collectively get with them, and it causes this sectarianism, and then it's all about them. And here's what's crazy about times like this. Depending on what's going on, particularly in the newsfeed at that moment, I'm, I'm over here crying out them at one point, and then all of a sudden something else happens, and I'm running over here, and now I'm still just as pride, proud, and I'm saying, oh, it's them over there, and I'm but, but always, somehow, I'm in, the, I'm in the seat of judgment, right? I'm in the seat of judgment, and I, God has exposed that in my life, and I'm, I hate it. But I want to stand there, and I want to look at it, and I want, I want God to expose it more and more, because right on the heels of that, that just pride is racism in my soul. 
and, and prejudice. You know, we don't use the word prejudice quite as much as maybe when I was growing up. It's still used, but not quite as much prejudice, like prejudging people based on outward appearance. And here's what I'm saying. I hate it that that's in my soul. I, okay, this is not even in my notes here, but I, I just want to say one of the moments that God did this to me and brought it back to mind this last week. I had just come back from Zambia, and you guys that are part of Veritas know my, my love for Zambia and my Zambian brothers and sisters. I had just come back. I was literally on my way back. Hadn't even gotten home yet. Teresa had picked me up from the airport. We had to grab some things at the grocery store before going home. So I'm walking through the store, and, and as I'm walking through, I'm tired. I'm jet-lagged, and, and so I'm my, I think my guard is down, and I see coming toward me, I'm so sorry to admit this and confess this, but I just feel like I need to. There's an African-American man coming at me, and he's got kind of a disheveled coat on, and immediately in my mind, I didn't say anything, but I kind of sized him up, and then you know what I realized? That was one of my good friends, Pastor Turan, one of the godliest men in my community, and all of a sudden, when I realized who he is, he catches my eyes like, Jeff, and he comes over, and he's hugging me, and just like, oh, I mean, literally kisses me, and I, we're having this moment, and all this, and here is what went on in my heart. I go from loving uh, my Zambian brothers so much, I come back, and it's like the minute I, 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 I breathe this air, I had this inherent prejudice, and, and it was like God slammed me right there, and God brought that moment back, because that happened a couple years ago. God, God brought that moment back to me just this past week because here's what I'm, I'm wanting to say to you guys. I hope you're taking moments right now for God to reveal some stuff in your soul, not them. I am, I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I hate that you guys are being led by a man of unclean lips, but you don't have any choice because we're all in this, right? Because that's what he ends up... By the way... Jane Austen really nails this, and I know, I, man, I feel like I'm going to have to turn in my man card for quoting Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice right now, but Jane Austen brilliantly in Pride and Prejudice portrays this. When you are rocked with pride and with prejudice, it flies off in all directions. I'm proud and prejudiced against the, I, I, those that I perceive above me, proud and prejudiced against that I perceive below me. It's just flying out everywhere when in my heart I allow pride and prejudice to reign. So it's time to confess that and to say, what, God, what do you need to do? I'm a man of unclean lips. Okay, but then he says, but you know what? Woe is me. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. But more than that, I live among a people of unclean lips. Guys, we live among a people of unclean lips. The history of racism and racial oppression goes back to the earliest days of our people, of our nation. I, I'm not a huge history buff, but enough to, to know that, so our, our founding really came in Jamestown, Virginia, right? That was the first permanent colony that, that we had here in what would be the United States. Here's what is crazy. I did not know this until this past week, and I decided to start becoming more aware. First settlement started in 1607 by 1619, so just about 10 years later, they had the first what they called the General Assembly, which was to kind of ratify, here's what we're going to be as a people, okay? So 1607, 1619, they decide, hey, let's put this General Assembly together. Let's let, What would become actually words that would be, be part of our 
eventual constitution a long time down the road. But here's one of the things they said in 1619 about what was going to be going on in this free world. We're going we're gonna to gather together and propose just laws for the happy guiding and governing of the people they're inhabiting. We're, we're going to set up something brand new in this new land for the laws for the happy guiding and governing of the people they're inhabiting. Guys, within weeks of those words being written and ratified by the General Assembly, the very first ship unloaded slaves from Africa and became part of the experience of Jamestown, Virginia and the entire American experience. From that moment, from the very beginning moment, so our, our entire history, guys, is just woven with racial inequality and oppression from our, from our first breaths as a people here. And now I want to say, also along the way, our heroic men and women of all colors trying to stop that, right? You've got the John Adamses. You've got the Harriet Tubmans. You've got all sorts of people who are trying to say, stop, stop, stop. And, and so there is forward progress along the way since Jamestown till today. There is forward progress, but guys, it is painfully slow and we have such a long way to go. I, I try to make it a habit to, to go back and, and re-read and listen to different messages by Martin Luther King. Um, and I was doing that again, rightly. And, and so I got to his I Have a Dream speech, which is probably, many of you are familiar with it, probably one of his most famous. But guys, he did this, and, and bear with me, this is a little bit of a history lesson, but in, in 1963, so just for a point of reference, I was eight months old <laughs> when, when Martin Luther King stood on the, on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial um, to give the I Have a Dream speech. So I just want to give you some perspective on that. So Jamestown, right, founded and so forth, 1619. 250 years later, after slavery is introduced, it took 250 years until the Emancipation Proclamation, right, in 1863. 250 years of kind of unbridled moments where people are trying to stop it, but for the most part, unbridled slavery, 250 years, Emancipation Proclamation. It will take another 100 years, almost exactly 100 years later, there's Martin Luther King standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, the guy that brought the Emancipation Proclamation, 100 years later, and he is calling for many wonderful things, but one of the things that he has, and you guys remember this, this line, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And all of a sudden, I started adding up the numbers, and I thought, okay, so he was saying that, man, a hundred years after the Emancipation Proclamation, freeing slavery, and has to now say, I'm still dreaming of the day where real freedom, where real equality will happen, and praying for his children. I was younger at that point than his youngest children, right? 57 years later, we're still dreaming that dream, right? 57 years later, we're still saying, how long before we have a, a place, a people, where children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, we're still waiting for that dream to come to 400 years after the founding of our country. So what I'm saying is, yes, is there progress? Praise God, there is progress, but it is painfully slow, and it seems like it has to like go in lurches, right? There's these like lurches forward, and so Martin Luther King brought, brought 
civil rights. And so there's another lurch forward, and then it just seems like all of a sudden we need another lurch forward, and, and we're in, I think, one of those moments where we're saying, Lord, how long? But here's what I'm saying. Isaiah 6 has gotten me to pray in this way. Lord, I am standing now looking to you. I'm asking Jesus, will you help me? Will you teach me? I'm, I'm walking into the presence of the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. And I got to say, I am ruined, Jesus, when I stand before you because I realize first, I'm a man of unclean lips. Start there. I just want to start with, Lord, show me who I truly am in your presence. And secondly, to confess openly, say it out loud. We are a people of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. It doesn't start and end with me. I live among a people of unclean lips. And guys, I'm not even proposing policy changes. It's a complex thing of how we go from here to that. I don't know exactly, but all I know is this. Let's start with confession, right? Let's start with what Isaiah did, standing in the presence of God. I live among a people of unclean lips. And then he says this, my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. I am ruined, unclean lips, people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. But in that moment, because he's confessing rightly, I believe, God does the unimaginable. Back in Isaiah 6, here's what God does in that moment. He is trembling. He feels like he is ruined. And in verse 6, one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it, and he said, now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed, your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord asking, all right, who will I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. I think that Isaiah got it right and is teaching us something beautiful and right about coming into the presence of God and being transformed there. Which is taking me now to the book of 1 John. So here's the deal. If you've got your Bible, I want you to go to 1 John. We're almost done here because this, this is an introduction to 1 John, but I'm actually allowing Isaiah to introduce us to 1 John, really, because the first four verses, in, in a marvelous way, are kind of like a New Testament version of Isaiah 6. Here's what it says. Here's the first, just the first verses of, of 1 John. What was from the beginning, what we have heard. Remember, remember Isaiah talking about just hearing it, seeing it, all that? Here's, here's John. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and we declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard we also declare to you so that you also may have fellowship with us and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. I, I want to read it one more time, but from the message, because I think he really captures this pretty well, Eugene Peterson. L listen to the way, let me read this over you. From the very first day, we were there taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears. We saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes and we saw it happen. And, and now we're telling you in the most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. <laughs> we saw it. We heard it. And now we're telling you so that you can experience it along with us, this experience of communion with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing this is simply this. We, we want you to enjoy this too. 
and your joy will double our joy. Guys, here's what's nuts. As we sit here today on this grass and on this pavement, we have a greater vision than even Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 6. Because here's what we know to be true, guys. I want you to think about this with me. Okay, this is glorious. Isaiah saw the king standing or sitting on the throne up there. You know what we have seen in Jesus? That glorious king of all the earth getting up from his throne and coming down the steps of that throne. Can you imagine if Isaiah had seen this? And as he's coming down, he takes off his regal robes and he puts on the garments of a servant. And it gets worse because as he gets nearer and nearer to come down to us, you know where he finds himself? Born into a feeding trough in abject poverty. That glorious scene that Isaiah had in Isaiah 6, now John is saying, oh, I'm telling you something. God himself came among us. He got off that throne, walked down into my presence, and I heard him with my own ears. I am there to tell you, I saw him with my own eyes. I touched him. I saw his dirty sandals. I smelled his perspiration as we walked around and preached and taught and healed. And I am telling you, God himself became a man and walked among us and eventually would go to the cross to pay for your penalty. So that when Isaiah temporarily had his iniquities, you know, taken away from him and his sin atoned for, John is saying, oh, way better. <laughs> we, our sins are gone as far as the east is from the west because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. That king came down for us to remove our iniquities, to remove our sins. And then what I love is he came to do that to bring us joy. Like Isaiah has this terrible moment. He goes from being ruined like, oh, to God saying, exactly the right posture. I love that. Now go. I want to send you to tell the world about me. What John is saying is, oh, I've got to tell you about this Jesus. Because you will have joy inexpressible, and my joy will compound as your joy meets Jesus. Because the good news is, guys, you and I are men and women of unclean lips. Let's stand in there. Let's let God show it to us in all of its ugliness and confess it and just say, yes, that's true. In fact, next week we're going to learn how John teaches us how to confess, how to say what is true about what's going on in our own souls. And if we say we don't have any of that sin, you know what? We're going to make God a liar. That's what we're going to find out next week. So we stand first and we say, God, teach us. Let your grace and glory and truth come to us and say, yes, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I'm going to confess, yes, I do live among a people of unclean lips. But now my eyes have seen the king and he doesn't come off that throne to scold. When he comes down off that throne, do, do we flinch and say, oh no, oh, he's coming after it. You know, no, because as he comes down, he comes to open his arms and to welcome us in, into fellowship. That's the word John uses. Into fellowship with him. The son Jesus has brought us into fellowship with the father and it brings us great joy. That's what First John is all about. How do we find joy even in the midst of being a person of unclean lips and among a people of unclean lips who can find joy in Jesus Christ. So you know what? I want to go all the way back. That's why Pastor Sylvia, that's why Pastor Sylvia could wipe the tears from her eyes, have sincere moments of confession of her sin, of our sin, and then get up off her knees 
look up with a sparkle in her eyes and say, I just feel like something good is about to happen. <laughs> and actually, that becomes contagious, and we all start believing something good is about to happen because Jesus Christ has come for us. And that is the truth of the gospel. So, guys, we need the hope. We are ruined, but we are a ruined people who can be saved. We are ruined people who can know the joy of fellowship with God to walk with Him. And now we're sent. Just like Isaiah. Hey, Isaiah, go. Tell people about me. What John is telling us is now it's time to share this joy with more and more and more church. This is our moment to shine. Veritas, this is our moment to follow the lead and to say, yes, I'm a person of unclean lips and to say it out loud, to talk about our together, our national sins and to say it out loud and then to say, but oh man, thank Jesus he has brought us hope and life and forgiveness and there's a joy in us that is contagious and that we want to share. So I would love to be able to pray that out with you. So would you stand though together and... Uh, there is no possible way that my new hero, um, Sylvia Boyer, you know, is going to be able to channel through me right now. <laughs> I wish I could do that. I can't, so I'm just not going to. But I want us to capture the joy of the gospel in this moment. So let me pray for us. Yeah, Jesus, in so many ways, words um, just fail me because I feel like I'm such a learner that who am I to turn around and teach others what I feel like you, you are just kind of getting through to me. I'm thankful, God, for the, the people that you brought into my life to help me, to teach me, to point me back to your grace and truth. I'm thankful even this morning for Terry who sat with me yesterday to just tell me a story. Thank you, Jesus, for just so many individuals that you have so blessed me with. And Lord, we're sitting right now perched on the top of a hill. And I pray that your people would be like a city on a hill. That in the midst of all the turmoil, with it's like the year that King Uzziah died around us. But would there be a palpable joy, not because everything is fixed right now, but because we're running into your light. We're clinging to you like maybe never before. You're teaching us things like maybe we had never understood or seen before, but now we do. And I pray that this would be a big lurch forward and that your church, oh Jesus, that your church would be leading out in this moment. Jesus, that you would receive glory as your joy just starts permeating this place. Oh, Jesus, only you can do that. So please make it so. Come, Lord Jesus, make it so.